Carolina and London and who knows where else. So um, before I jump into the sermon, we do have a special announcement. And if Sarah and Seth Gerber could come on up. Yeah, there we go. I'm echoing. All right. Well, uh, the Gerbers have been uh, an integral part of New Day for a long time. <laughs> yep. And uh, before it was the Gerbers, it was just Sarah <laughs> and uh, Brower. Um, but God's leading them into something new, and they just have something to share. So go ahead and share. So about um, a year ago last summer, God started speaking to us in a really dramatic way about uprooting and going to uh, Bethel Church in California. And we, at the time, were not thinking or dreaming of anything except for just being here. So great here, isn't it? Don't we all agree? So great here in Kalamazoo, a new day. Um, And so the Lord really clearly started speaking to us about it. Um, about going and we it took us quite a bit of processing and confirmation after confirmation to say yes to the Lord um, and so we have we've said yes and we're going to be going um, he said specifically to go and learn from that church and so we are going to go to where you would learn at their school of ministry and we're going to spend a year in their first year program and the Lord has told us not to plan what's next after that so we do not know what's coming after that. So we kind of go with a bunch of question marks. Um, but we do know that the Lord is in it because he's confirmed it so many times and made it very obvious and clear that this is what we are meant to do. So yeah, And we just obviously love this church body and, and you guys. And we've been so rooted here. I think the analogy that we had was we felt like, if, have you seen Lord of the Rings? Those ants, the big ants, right? When they were like coming out of the ground, that's what it feels like for us, you know, because we are so committed and so rooted here and love what's going on here. So it feels, it's, it's a surprise to us that God's kind of asking us to take this step. So it is a huge step of faith for us and adventure. And one of the things God spoke to us in the very beginning is that he's going to press us through and push us through and make a way for us. And that the whole purpose of this was to propel us. And so, um, actually, it's been pretty amazing how God's worked some things out. My job, I asked for an unpaid leave of absence. So basically, hold my position and, and let me go away. And they say, well, we don't normally do that, maybe for a month or two, but not for a full year. And I just got word a couple weeks ago that they're going to approve my unpaid leave of absence. So that's that's great. Wow. And uh, and also our house, um, we listed it and it we put a lot of work into it and it was up for lit- literally one week and we had a purchase agreement on it. So wow. we're just totally amazed how God is making a way for us. He is pushing us through. So we're going to be going. We're going to be leaving around somewhere in the middle to early August. So that's coming pretty quick. So about the um, we're shooting around the fifth or tenth of August that we're going to be taking off and we're excited um, about it. Obviously all of our needs aren't taken care of. We're planning on going out there and um, really um, not having to work. So we want to just focus in on what God wants us to focus on. So if you feel like God's tugging your heart to help us out, that's great. If not, 
obviously no pressure at all, but um, we feel, we know that God's providing for us. Selling the house for us, that's a huge deal because that's going to help to provide for a lot of what we need. But So we're excited. We're going to miss you guys, and we don't know what's next, but we know that we're on an adventure with God, and that's exciting. So. Yeah. All right. Well, we want to pray. One of the things that um, uh, I felt, Actually, when I became pastor of this church, I just it was years and years ago. I saw us as a church, like a, a kind of like a rocket launcher, one of those handheld RPGs, I think they're called, or RP whatever, somewhere, um, where they just you know, load it and fire, and 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 you know, propelling people, launching people into their destiny, and it's it's awesome to see, but it's scary at times as well. And it's scary for people being shot out <laughs> and, and scary you know, turned down still uh, getting a lot of feedback uh, scary for those of us left behind when you were talking about the ants I feel like well we feel like the ground <laughs> has been torn up uh, because you know the Gerbers have been such an uh, integral part um, but we love them and we believe that God has something great in store and we don't know what the future holds. So, would you just join with me in prayer? Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We so thank you for uh, Sarah and Seth and all that they've been, but more importantly, who they are. And we thank you for this next season. Pray that you would arrange everything so that the uh, this, uh, this time of transition would go smoothly, that you would bring in enough support so that while they're in uh, California receiving, that they would be able to fully receive God. And during that time, Lord, that you would reveal to them uh, what the next step is, whatever that is. Lord, that we're in favor of it, God. And we just uh, thank you, God, that we can be part of this grand adventure. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, this is not the send-off. This is just the announcement. We wanted everybody to know that later this summer they will be uh, taking off, and I'm sure we'll do another time where we we anoint them and bless them and send them uh, on their way. Uh, and uh, we are going to continue <coughs> uh, with our series. We've been preaching through our core values. And this is actually the last of the intimacy values. We talked about hearing God's voice and, and going through intimacy by hearing God's voice. We talked about just intimacy with God and what that meant. And then uh, this last month is intimacy with one another or others and, uh, and what that looks like uh, starting Next month, next week, we actually have a surprise guest ministers, uh, Ben and Sarah Jackson from Toronto, who are the leaders, uh, two of the leaders of the School of Ministry in Toronto, will be in town, and so I've asked them to share, so be sure to come. They're a phenomenal young couple with a lot to share, and they've influenced our church in many ways because so many of our people have been uh, influenced by the School of Ministry, so you don't, you don't want to miss it. <clears throat> actually, and Ben's actually quite a renowned worship leader. I don't know if we'll be able to get him to to sing or play music, but he's pretty well known for that. So, um, uh, so we'll be launching into in July the our uh, part of our values, which is healing and restoration. But today we want to finish up uh, on being intimate, uh, intimacy with one another. And what I want to talk about today is being real. Okay, uh, intimacy requires being real. Uh, and and understanding, really coming to a place where we understand what that means. Uh, and I, I hope to 
perhaps challenge you and encourage you uh, as to a biblical understanding of being real. Uh, now, some people are good at being real, but they're really offensive. <laughs> or really selfish, really proud. And that's not what we want. We don't want to be real in that way. Uh, what God wants us to do is to learn how to, to live really well. And part of that is, is being ourselves, really ourselves. And, uh, and so being real means not having a false front, not wearing masks. And unfortunately, within Christianity and within church, a lot of times because you want to come across in a particular way, you kind of inadvertently put on masks and present yourself in a particular way when you're around church people and then you're in a different way when you're in elsewhere. And, and that's, that's not... Uh, healthy and it and it actually is very destructive to this idea of intimacy. We all need to live in intimacy. We need to live allow our relationships to go deep. Okay, and God's called us into communion. We've been talking about what that means, and being real is uh, an essential aspect of living in intimacy and developing intimacy. And so we're gonna kind of hang around Ephesians chapter 5 uh, most of the day we're going to refer to a few other verses but most of these come right out of Ephesians chapter 5 and it begins with therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and uh, the idea of imitators of God I think this is a radical verse it's just one of those verses that you read over and you don't think about much but God is telling us scripture calls us to imitate God. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty radical. Alright? Listen, you want to know how to live a Christian? Just, just act like God. <laughs> You're like, okay. What does that mean? Hopefully it, it causes you to go, well, what does that mean? At least you're considering it. But that's what, that's what following Jesus is all about. It's learning how to live like God, to be imitators of God. The Greek word for, uh, that's translated imitators is actually the word that we get mimic. In other words, so we, we see what God does and we do the same thing. And it can be translated follow. So we're to follow God's example. And what's really important here is that we're to do it as beloved children. Okay? And so... <clears throat> God is real in the sense that He doesn't put on false pretenses. Okay? He doesn't represent Himself one way and then represent Himself uh, in another time or place a different way. He is genuine, always consistent in the way He is. He is who He is. He's the one who does not change. In fact, Yahweh, the name that he uses when he introduced himself in the Old Testament was, I am who I am. Right. That was his name. All right, wow. This is who I am. I am who I am. And so the idea of being real, in fact, some people, instead of using the word God, refer to the Almighty as ultimate reality. All right? Why well, he is ultimate reality. 
in, in person form. Okay, and so we are to mimic that. We are to be real in the same way that He is real as beloved children. Now this is what's great. is because as children, we do it because that's who we are. Right? I don't have to try to be my parents' son. I just am. I can't be anything else. And if I pretend I'm somebody else, then I'm, that's not being real. Right? I'm just being the person I inherited this genetic uh, uh, code and I, I make the best of it. Right? Well, in the Spirit, what we're called to is that we are children of God. And so it means being true to that lineage. Alright, being true to uh, being an imitator, being true to being children, to being sons and daughters of the Almighty. Well, because I'm a preacher <coughs> and uh, I want to kind of fill out what uh, the, I'm talking about, what I mean by being real in a biblical sense, we're going to use the word real as an acronym. And the R stands for righteousness. Alright, righteousness. And Jesus said in Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So Jesus put first on the list as a pursuing God's kingdom and God's righteousness. Now sometimes you <coughs> can misunderstand the word righteous. I'm going to dig into that for a minute. But listen to another thing that Jesus says a little bit uh, earlier in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they're going to be filled. In other words, Jesus describing the character of, 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 of one of His disciples, of someone in right relationship with God through faith. He says, they will hunger and thirst for righteousness. I have never been really hungry for something. You know, hungry for food or really thirsty. Uh, <clears throat> and, and it's like, when you're really thirsty, you're really hungry, it's, it's like, it's impossible to think of anything else. You try to think of something else, but the hunger and the thirst. Well, the idea here is that we're hungry and we're thirsty for righteousness. That nothing else satisfies. And Jesus said, that's a blessed place. That's a happiness a place to be envied. That's the characteristic that, uh, that demonstrates someone in right relationship with God. And that's what we're supposed to seek after. Well, what is righteousness? First of all, righteousness, it says seek after His righteousness. So it's God's righteousness. This is really part of imitating God. It's part of mimicking God. It's part of living as a son or daughter. Because God is righteous, we want to be righteous. But one of the best definitions that I like is uh, by Thayer, it says the state of him or her who is as he or she ought to be. It's just being the person we were created to be. It's being who we are ought to be. It's not, it's not just a, a, a list of things that we have to conform to, but it's actually being our nature, being who we are created to be. And so being that son or being that daughter, having inherited God's uh, uh, righteousness through faith, we now live that way. Okay? That means we're, we're living, we're actually authentic. All right? It's not 
What most people think of when they hear the word righteousness is an unattained. They think their their mind kicks in this definition that they that they think it means, which is this, this form of unattainable perfection. You know, without making any oh righteousness. Oh, I'm not righteous. I can't be. Nobody can be righteous. You know, it's almost like oh, you're proud to say that you, you can't. You, you don't sin. And it's actually like Christians should be saying, I don't sin. There's no sin in my life. Uh, it doesn't mean I never sin. It certainly doesn't mean I've never sinned. All have sinned, past tense, and have fallen short of the glory of God. But once we come into Christ, we have the power over sin. Sin shall no longer have dominion over you. Okay, he was dead is set free from sin. All right. Well, well if I'm not. If I'm free from sin, then what am I? I'm righteous. I can live righteous. I can, I can live like Jesus. I can actually live like I can be an imitator of God. That is not um, a pie in the sky when you get to heaven thing. That's supposed to happen right now, folks. And it can happen right now because that's who you are. That is your identity. All right? As children of God, you are to be true to that self, that new creation that you have been created in Christ. It basically, I like another word uh, that we can use, and maybe it's a little more uh, uh, applicable in our day. It's authentic. You know, it's living authentically. Uh, I think a, a way that you could translate righteousness is authentic, true to your tr- to your real nature. That's been recreated in Christ through faith by the power of the resurrection. Um, So uh, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and of peace and of joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by man. So righteousness means right living. But it's interesting here that, and and you can kind of read the whole book of Romans and and to get it more fully explained you can read the whole New Testament and then just read the whole Bible (laughs) but the whole point is it's not about meat or drink it's not about uh, the to-do list or the the don't to-do list those lists are important because they communicate a lot of information and, and they, they, they teach us what righteousness is, what they teach us, they communicate attrib- about the attributes of God through material things, but it's the attributes of God that we're actually supposed to be concerned with, okay? It's the character that is behind the deeds or, or, or the uh, things that we are commanded to do or commanded not to do that is the actual pursuit. Does that make any sense whatsoever? And so, <clears throat> it's not just a matter of, you know, not eating pork and, and eating, uh, you know, not drinking this or not eating that. It's deeper than that. It's really about righteousness. It's really about living who you're called to be. It's living authentic to your new nature. And then he adds these words, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Okay? And peace and joy... It's about, I see it, is about relationship, okay? It's, it's living in right relationship. Because there's peace, and there's joy, alright? Uh, <clears throat> and that means we're in right relationship, and it's with the Holy Spirit. Now, how do you be in peace and in joy with the Holy Spirit? You live in a way that makes the Holy Spirit happy, 
Alright? If I want to if I want peace and joy in my house, I have to live in a way that that makes my wife happy. Right? And to the degree that I do that, I have peace and joy. And to the degree that I or she doesn't do that, uh, peace is challenged. Right? But when we understand one another and we know one another and we've shared uh, our hearts with another, we get to know each other and we know what makes one another happy and that, and that living in a way that is consistent with her desires and my desires brings peace and then on top of peace is joy. All right? Well, that's, that's how it works in human relationships, but that's to teach us how it works with our relationship with God. All right. If you want peace and joy with the Holy Spirit, you can't do behaviors that offend the Holy Spirit. Because then you won't feel peace. And you won't experience joy. Because the Holy Spirit is sent to convince everyone of sin and of righteousness and of judgment to come. Because the Holy Spirit's job is to prepare you to live in that right relationship with Him and with Jesus and with the Father for eternity and with one another. Alright? So it's about living right and it's about living in right relationship. And the result of doing that is that we're approved and we're accepted. And so we get... That's intimacy. Alright? There's an acceptance. There's an approval. There's a place where I fit in here. We're in, we're in one accord. And it enables you to go deeper in your relationships with one another. Deeper in relationships with the Lord. All because uh, you're being righteous. And the other aspect of this is reflecting. This is actually <coughs> it's a, it's an, an acronym. And I'm rolling the R's. There's two R's. There's righteousness. And then there's uh, Reflecting intimacy, uh, integrity. <coughs> so there you go. <laughs> so it says, and you, because really righteousness and integrity is, integrity is just another uh, uh, aspect of way to define righteousness. So you, uh, Bible writes and uh, God communicates uh, to Titus. Um, Paul was writing to a young pastor. He says, you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. So in other words, this young man was being uh, uh, told and instructed that his actions have to reflect the integrity of the Scripture. Alright? The Word that he was teaching. And so, uh, uh, being real means being righteous, living authentic, and it means reflecting integrity. Now, integrity means a few things. It means just the simple idea of, of ethics and, and morality, being honest, being fair. But it also means uh, living in an unimpaired condition. All right? And what, what do I mean by that? It means that there's nothing in your life that impairs you from being who you are, who you're supposed to be. Now, that may be, a, you know, uh, 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 an emotional hang-up that can impair you, or it can be a substance that you're abusing that can impair you, or it can be a thought process. It can be all kinds of things. But if, you have, if you're impaired, uh, then you're not, uh, you're, not, you're not demonstrating integrity. 
What? Then there's the aspect of being complete or whole. And this is really the, the part of it that I find most important. Complete or whole, what it really means is that it's consistent throughout. Okay, so living with integrity means that you're the same on the inside as you are on the outside. So an object with integrity, whether it be a, uh, you know, a piece of concrete, if it has integrity, it means that there's no flaw hidden on the inside that will be revealed when the pressure is put on. Okay? Or there's a, a piece of metal, a tool, and it doesn't, have in, uh, if it doesn't have the right integrity, when you go to use it, it's going to break. Because there's some, uh, a flaw that was hidden inside of it, was manufactured, there was something that wasn't right. And, and God calls us to reflect the integrity of His Word and of His nature. We're to reflect Him, His integrity. We're to be imitators of God. <clears throat> and so, this idea of integrity is uh, that what's on the inside is openly displayed outwardly. And what you see outwardly is consistent with what's on the inside. So when you see me, you know, this is, this is you, you're getting the real deal. Alright? I am who I am. And it doesn't mean that I'm perfect in every way. But I try at all times to be consistent uh, in my and how I relate to others, and how I relate to issues of life, that whether I'm alone, or whether I'm in front of a church, or whether I'm in a counseling appointment, I'm going to say what, I, what, what is true, what is authentic, what is, uh, uh, what is really uh, uh, going on. And so that's part, that's integrity, that's being real, that's living in righteousness. Alright. Second letter is exposed. How many like to be exposed? Nobody likes to be exposed in that sense. But there's a good sense. And this is actually how you can live righteous and how you can live with integrity. It's really, really super important. A lot of people think they just have to try harder. And actually, often, <coughs> trying harder is counterproductive to living more righteous. <laughs> okay? Uh, and there's a different way. Um, the uh, Ephesians, again, same chapter, says in verse 8, For you were once darkness. Think of this. God described you, I, everyone that reads Scripture, has come to the place of faith. Uh, God actually uses that term that we were darkness. But now are light in the Lord. Wow. What if I had a, you know... We had a container that was filled with darkness. And all of a sudden, supernaturally, it was filled with light. Wow. You know, hoping it was dark. Open up again. Well, that's what God's saying was happened. And then, there was, and then the, the command that follows it is, live as children of light. 
live as these dear children. Same thing that started the chapter in the beginning. Be imitators of God as dear children. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. And further down in the verse it says, But everything exposed, this is where we get the idea of it being living exposed, by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. And this whole part of the chapter is talking about walking in the light and learning how to no longer behave as someone who is darkness, living in darkness. And how do we behave as children of the light, living in the light? <clears throat> and, and a big part of it is uh, being exposed. All right, Taking the things in your life that were part of the former lifestyle of darkness and bringing them into the light. That we actually see ourselves as children of light. You know? You're no longer like... You don't identify primarily with darkness and things hidden and things that, that, that communicate shame or produce shame. But you actually see yourself and you acknowledge that you actually are by, by divine you know, authority transferred into light. And it gets into this in Colossians, talking about the same idea. It says that He, God, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Wow! He's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. It's the same idea being talked about from a different perspective. That salvation is, when you come into relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, something supernatural happens. And if you haven't experienced that supernatural transformation, then maybe you're not in relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe you only know information about God or information about Jesus Christ, but there's something that happens when it becomes real. Amen. When it becomes true to you, when you realize this is, this is truth. This, I believe this. And you confess it with your mouth and you believe it in your heart. And there's a transformation from darkness to light. All right, it says He transferred us or transformed us or transported us from one place to another. All of we were darkness and now we're light. How? That's what happened in salvation. That's what Jesus does when you come into relationship with Him. And then that's what enables you to live as children of the light. Because it's true. That's just who I am. You know? And if there's any attitude, action, behavior, thought pattern that is dark, then you go, wait a minute. Those are, those are the things I put off, the things from the former life. Those are no longer me. That's not being authentic. That's it. Those behaviors, those thought patterns, those attitudes, those actions, That's those are inconsistent with my new nature. I may be comfortable with them, <laughs> all right? but they're not who I am. And there's a girl, and the closer you get, the more intimate you get with the Holy Spirit, and the more intimate you get, frankly, with other Christians that are flowing in, in the Holy Spirit and are comfortable with the, uh, living as children of light. You see, oh, that doesn't fit anymore. That's no longer me. It's just, it's no longer me. Uh, <clears throat> that's being real. Living as children of uh, light. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Alright, James says, uh, so how do you do this? Well, this is the hard part. James puts it straightforward. He says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. In the message, he puts it this way. Confess your, uh, make this your common practice. Do this all the time. James is saying, Hey, pastor of the church in Jerusalem, the uh, brother, the son of Mary and Joseph. That's who James was, who wrote that book. Uh, He says, this is what you need to do. Make it your common practice. Confess your sins to each other. And pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. Now, we all quote that scripture. Many people quote the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You know, if you got if you're really needing something or someone the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, we're gonna pray, God's gonna do this amazing thing. But often we forget the context of that verse. And the context of that verse is when you confess your trespasses. When you go, Honey, I'm sorry, but I was angry and I said this and it was out of anger and it was wrong. Please forgive me. And then she says, Would you ever do that again? No. She says, Yeah, I know you were wrong. No. <laughs> she says, I forgive you. And then we pray. God heals. Wow. That's the prayer. That's the effect of the fervent prayer. That effective fervent prayer that comes in the context of, of, of being real, confessing our sins, and, 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 rege- and renouncing the power of those sins and our trespasses, and, and praying for one another for healing. Uh, and it should be a common practice. It should be something that we're, we're, we're used to, we're actually comfortable with. So it's developing a, a lifestyle where you bring to light anything that's lurking inside, anything that's in the shadows. And you know what? As Christians, you should regularly, you know, it's not uncommon to find things lurking in the shadows. You know, that's why we're still alive. That's the process of sanctification. I am completely clean. I am pure. I am renewed. But you know what? There are things that I have to put off. You know, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Where did that attitude come from? Why am I upset about that? Oh, it's because I'm believing in something that's a lie. I renounce that lie. I repent of it. And we're going to delve into a lot of that in the next uh, uh, few weeks when we talk about restoration and healing. It's simply, you know, we found that just bringing something in the light, in other words, exposing it, getting it out onto the table, that's what I like. I love that term. You know, if there's an issue, I said, well, let's just get it onto the table. In other words, you might not have the solution, and you don't even know what to do about it, but if you get it onto the table, and so people can look at it, you can figure out a solution. And this is true about emotional things. This is true about sin in your life. And of course, you do it in a proper way, in a healthy way, but that in and of itself... <clears throat> usually has the power to break compulsions. If, you, if you're compulsively trapped in a behavior that is destructive, just getting it out into the light, talking to someone, especially someone who's willing to pray with you, that is the power. Uh, it avails much. <clears throat> it means being real in this way enables us to live 
uh, our true identity. All right, the next one is accountable, which is similar to being exposed, but it's a little little different, a little more uh, focused in. Again, in Ephesians 5.15, it says, Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. And make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And that's followed up with, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so here's another action like confessing is submitting. And submitting means to arrange yourself under, to yield, but also to uphold and support. Okay? And so submitting is not like a negative term. It's not uh, being... uh, It's not like... uh, There's submitting and then there's subjection. Okay? It's not, you know, bringing... Someone doesn't subject you to something. It's actually you willingly submit. You come under someone else's authority uh, in order to uphold them. And they come under you in order to uphold you. And so the picture... The, uh, the story, if you will, of, of the uh, community of faith called the church is a whole bunch of people that are committed because of their reverence for Christ, because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, because we saw Jesus Christ do this, that we now do it to one another, and it creates a community that is strong, that can be real, okay, that doesn't have to hide you know, the opposite of intimacy is, is isolation. Yeah. Right? We've been talking about intimacy, intimacy, intimacy. But it's unfortunate. Most people live their lives isolated. Or they have huge portions of their lives in isolation. But Proverbs 18.1 says that he who isolates himself rages against all wisdom. So if there's areas in your life that you're keeping secret... That's raging. That's like having a a temper tantrum against everything that's wise. And it only hurts you. But when you enter into intimacy, you have to expose yourself. You have to submit yourself. That's the opposite of isolation. That's actually yielding. And it's to to align ourselves. It's another way that the term is used is a military term of being in proper order. Now listen, a general has no power if his troops are not lined up under him. Right? And then the troops won't be able to function properly if there's not solid leadership. And so we see that biblical submission one to another positions everyone for victory. And that's the, that's the purpose. That this verse teaches that when we live in submission to one another, we can, we can, be, uh, we can have victory, we can have power in our life. Um, Philippians, <clears throat> same idea, continues on with this thought. says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. So this idea of submitting to one another is really following Christ. It's being Christ-like. It's being an imitator of God by reproducing the very uh, nature that uh, 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 Jesus demonstrated. It means that you're submitted to others and you allow people to speak into your life. You, you open up the issues of your life. Again, you don't parade it. You don't do it to everyone. You do it wisely. 
Uh, but you do it on a regular basis. But it also means that you esteem others uh, equal to yourself. In other words, you make yourself available to other people. And you hear them out. And, and most of the time when we hear this verse about <clears throat> uh, esteeming others' needs as, 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 as important as your own, you think of material stuff. Like, you know, they need help moving, or they need food, they need money. But this is true on emotional issues and spiritual issues, that you need to give time and attention and compassion and care for one another and also receive that from one another. And that's the community that Jesus died to see uh, uh, come about. And that community is called the church. That uh, We value other people and their stuff as much as our own. And we're willing to share uh, helping one another through this. The final uh, aspect is love. Um, Ephesians, going back to verse 1 and 2, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love, as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. You know, when God, when, when, when we act in and out of love, it's like it fills heaven with the smell of barbecue. <coughs> Alright? <laughs> it's like, wow, something's cooking. I was riding my bicycle and I rode by, by a steak place. Like, wow. I realized then I was hungry. <laughs> right? Uh, I like how the message puts it. Watch five times in these two verses the word love is used. Watch what God does and then do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with Him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of Himself to us. The Bible says that we're called to love like that. <clears throat> yeah, amen. So I'm just going to jump through this slide. Uh, being real means being righteous. Uh, it's being a right living and right uh, relationship with God and reflecting God's integrity. It means uh, living exposed, walking in the light, not having things hidden in darkness. It means accountable, supportive, and receiving support. And it means walking in love. Anthony's going to come up and close us in prayer. Welcome him.